Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37 will be a, a familiar passage to, to most of you. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, he brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Um, this word Samaritan, I think, has lost so much meaning in our, in our, in our language, hasn't it? Um, you know, there's ministries like Samaritan's Purse. Um, in my area, where I'm from, there's a Samaritan's Hospital. There's um, Samaritan's House and the House of the Good Samaritan and, and all these different things that are, I think, if you didn't know a little bit about the historical context of this passage, you might think that a Samaritan was a well-liked, kind, generous person and the cornerstone of a well-functioning society. I think we can easily forget that um, when Jesus uses this term, it had shock value. His audience is shocked, they're appalled, they're horrified that a person of such incredibly low standing in society could be a neighbor. That this ex expert in the law could be expected to be a neighbor to a person like this. For Samaritans were the lowest of the low. They were despised, hated, mistrusted. They faced legal segregation. The Jewish people believed that they were unclean, racially impure, and certainly not their neighbor. Look at how it is in this passage and its purpose. In Jesus' audience, and I, and I think Jesus is telling the story to rebuke the expert in the law because he doesn't think he needs to be a neighbor to social outcasts. But also, as a Jewish man in the story, he doesn't think that he'll ever need saving because he knows the law. He thinks he's done enough. He thinks he's strong. So I think this passage has two purposes. It is to urge us to service, to be a good neighbor, to be compassionate and loving toward those who we might least expect. But the other is just as important, if not more so, and that's to speak against this expert in the law, 
his self-righteousness and to remind us that we are all in need of grace, of mercy, and of love. The love of God and the love of one another. You might remember uh, Veronica Tika, who opened God's word to us last week. She said that one of the advantages that people of Bethel have, maybe even have over us, is that it's easier for them to recognize their shortcomings. The homeless, the drug addicts. Sometimes it's easier for them to recognize their weakness, their frailty, their need, their deep, deep need for a savior. We could be any of the people in this story at a given time. We could be the priest or Levite who is tempted to pretend not to notice the desperate need of those around us. We could be the Samaritan, the person no one expects to lend a hand, to sacrifice finance, pride, social barriers, and customs in order to help someone. But we could also be the person on the side of the street in a gutter, battered and bruised, in need of a savior. Or I wonder, are we, am I too proud to recognize our weakness, our frailty, our need for a savior? And so I think about this, like, say you're in a gutter. You're battered, you're bruised, and whoever it is for you, maybe there's the, the most prominent member of the church. I don't know what that drums up in your, in your mind. But they, they walk by, they ignore you and you notice. And then the person you least expect, perhaps it's a drunk, a homeless person, perhaps it's a member of a different race or a different gender or someone you never thought was capable of helping you or even having money at all. And then inexplicably, that person not only pulls you out of the gutter and brings you to the hospital and pays out of his or her own pocket, but also promises to come back and pay additional money if the bill runs over and further debt is created. And it makes me wonder, for, for whom are you a Samaritan? Who thinks that you're the last person on earth who would ever help them? Who is a Samaritan to you? Who, somewhere out there in the world or somewhere in this city, would never ex uh, expect, sorry, would you never expect to help. And how does seeing these people as image bearers of God, people created as masterpieces in God's image, how does it change our view of others? How does it change our behavior and what we do with our lives? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And just before I, I pray, um, could you go let the Sunday school teachers know? And um, parents of Sunday school age kids, um, they've been downstairs a long time because of our order of service, so they are going to come up and join us for the last song here in a, in a couple minutes. So just be aware, your kids are about to come back up. All right, during, during the thing. Um, it's planned, kind of. All right, uh, let's, let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven,
thank you for your love and thank you that on this day when so many people uh, spoke to us and spoke to our hearts as a, as, a, as a corporate body together, thank you that we can come together in one voice and proclaim your glory. Proclaim all the ways that we can get involved, proclaim the community that we can have together in you, that we can together in one voice proclaim what you're doing in our midst that we can together proclaim our need for you, our need for a savior. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love, and thank you for this opportunity to worship together. In Jesus' name, amen.